Well, what the Senate has just uh, heard is uh, uh, more unmitigated nonsense from Senator Cameron. In fact, Senator Cameron's one true statement in this parliament in all of the time he is here is when he rightly accused his fellow colleagues in the ALP caucus of being lobotomised zombies. Remember that? Uh, they, uh, Le Senator Cameron was saying nobody discusses anything in the Labor Party uh, caucus. They are all just lobotomised zombies. They take whatever the then ministers uh, said as uh, truth. Now, Senator Cameron, I often confess to this parliament that I'm not terribly bright, but I can work out about the enterprise tax plan. Is it on? Look, I'm going to uh, shirt front, Mr Putin. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait, it, it is on? Uh, you bet you are. Uh, you bet I am. I don't like it. Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate. Well, may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast, Is It On? I am recording this on the afternoon of Wednesday, the 27th of June. Big ups to Liberal Senator Ian MacDonald for that piece of honesty in the Senate earlier this week and Labor Senator Alex Gallagher for backing him in. My name is Alice Workman. I'm sitting here in the BuzzFeed office above the Senate in Parliament House it's two o'clock. We're about to roll into question time. And look, the government have a pretty big amount of shit to get through in the final day and a half until Parliament goes on its long, long winter hiatus. There's the foreign interference laws, but they've got bipartisan support, so they should go through fine. Company tax cuts. We've still got question marks over whether the government have the numbers there. Higher education changes. Looks like they have the numbers for that one. So that is likely to go through as well. But because it has been far, far too long since we've had any leadership rumblings, there's a bit of a spilly vibe. Uh, it is killing season after all. Earlier this week was the anniversary of the first Rudd-Gillard spill when Julia Gillard knifed Kevin Rudd. Um, and look, in the last couple of days, Anthony Albanese has made a speech that raised some eyebrows. Bill Shorten made a captain's call to repeal company tax cuts for businesses with a turnover of 10 to $50 million. And now the Labor MP for Bass in Tasmania, uh, Ross Hart, went on Launceston FM with Brian Carlton and refused to back in Bill Shorten. Take a listen. R Ross, uh, are you on a unity ticket with your leader, Bill Shorten? Um the leader has announced that he would uh, support a reduction in, uh, in I'm sorry, a, a repeal of the, the tax rate. Uh, it has uh, not been discussed, as I understand, by Shadow Cabinet. Um, well, no, it has, no, this is exactly the point, Ross. It hasn't been discussed by Shadow Cabinet. Caucus didn't get a crack at it either. This is a captain's call on which your leader's staked his leadership, I would argue, and, and here I'm getting from you a, a bit of equivocation. Do you back the bloke or not? Well, as I said previously, I would support uh, businesses in northern Tasmania and Tasmania generally being profitable and making a profit so that they can pay tax, irrespective of whether there's going to be a tax cut at a particular rate or not. Do you back your leader, Bill Shorten's, call to repeal the tax cut for companies with a turnover of between 10 and $50 million? Well, that's a matter that's been announced by uh, Mr Shorten. Um, he, so so, so you, uh, you don't, Ross? You don't support this, do you? You don't support uh, what your leader's done? 
I'm not saying that, Brian. I'm not saying No, but you're not saying you agree with him either, are you? Let's have a conversation about that another time. No, let's talk about it now, Ross, because it's absolutely critical. It's critical to this issue. It's critical to the leadership of the Labor Party, and you don't want to talk about it. Do you back your leader or not, Ross? Uh, well, look, I think that the important thing is that we talk about practical tax relief for uh, Tasmanian companies. Yeah, well, that's what we are talking about, Ross, and you're having an argument with me saying that you, your your party, which is your leaders, unilaterally decided to, to, to repeal any change to this 10 to $50 million. We're having an argument. You're saying we're on the same side, and I'm asking you whether you back your leader's decision, and you won't tell me. Well, uh, what I'm telling you, Brian, is the fact that that, that uh, the amount of tax that our company pays doesn't... Yes, I, th thank, doesn't thank you, Ross. The, the economics lesson is... is uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a little check in the mail for that one. I genuinely appreciate it. Is is on! I'm so glad you asked. I will be checking in with Labor frontbencher Ed Husick a little later on in the show and putting that to him. Is it on in the Labor Party? Bill Shorten, will he make it to the next election? When is the next election? Who knows? But we do have some by-elections coming up. I also have a chat with the Minister for Small and Family Business, the Workplace and Deregulation, Craig Laundy. Uh, and uh, before you get too excited, yes, I do ask him about his famous brother, Stu Laundy, who, of course, won The Bachelorette with Sophie Monk last year, but they are not together anymore. That uh, is at the end of our chat. Um, but before I throw into this week's BuzzFeed Ozpol Live, uh, I think it's worth noting because we mentioned it it's so much in last week's podcast, that yes, the New Zealand first baby has been born and it has a name. And I loved this tweet from Morgan Goffrey, which said, Jacinda Arden arrived at the hospital in her own car with Clark driving, no crown limo or special ambulance. Her baby was delivered in a public hospital alongside everyone else's, no private hospital, no special room, no extra special attention. New Zealand, remain your underrated self. I thought that was really quite nice. And I'm a big fan of Neve Campbell, from the uh, amazing Scream franchise and, of course, the very underrated Robert Altman film, The Company, in which he plays a ballerina. Uh, so, you know, Neve, great name. Excellent work. Okay, over to this week's live show. Hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at WorkmanAlice and our our Twitter page is at BuzzFeedOzPoll. Same on the Facebooks. Uh, thanks for listening. Chat to you later. Bye. <laughs>
He absolutely has. Last week, the government's main Senate negotiator managed to pass through the personal tax cuts. And this week on his agenda is company tax cuts, where the government are a few votes shy of passing the legislation at the moment. But negotiations are continuing. Interestingly, One Nation leader, Pauline Hanson, said that she has not been flip-flopping her support for company tax cut. Take a look. I haven't flip-flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I've stuck to it. Hmm. Now, last I checked, One Nation literally lost to Senator Brian Burson after Pauline Hanson literally backed out of a deal with the government over company tax cuts. But look, who knows what's going to happen? She says she hasn't flip-flopped. Maybe she'll flip-flop again. The Senate is unpredictable, so it's a watch this space on that one. But speaking of company tax cuts, Labor leader Bill Shorten is under a bit of fire this morning after he made a captain's call. He announced, without running it through Shadow Cabinet or this Shadow Party Room, that Labor, if elected, would repeal the government's already legislated, so this already exists, the company tax cut for businesses with a turnover of between 10 and $50 million. And look... It's killing season in Parliament House. Probably not the best time to start making captain's calls, especially when Anthony Albanese is out there making manifesto speeches and offering himself up as a viable alternative. And the question on everyone's lips this week is, is it on in the Labour Party? I will ask Ed Husick that in just a moment. But in other news this week, pending on how quickly the foreign interference bills pass through Parliament, the Senate will either vote today or tomorrow on whether or not to lower the repayment threshold for university students. Now, the government wants to drop the amount that graduates have to earn before they have to start paying their hips back from $56,000 a year down to $45,000 a year. That means that the minute that you start earning about $750 after you graduate, you will be forced to start paying back 1% of your student loans every year, and then it increases incrementally the more you earn. Senator Alliance have said they are going to back the government on this one, so it looks like whenever it comes up for a vote that it will pass. Also this week, we found out some other strange things. We found out that Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull donates the equivalent of his entire $528,000 a year salary to charity. Cory Bernardi yesterday got the Senate to invite Donald Trump to address a joint sitting of Parliament in November. We also learned that Judge Minister Michaeli Cash has been fudging the numbers on the PATH internship program and that a male security guard asked a young female apprentice to remove the shirt she was wearing, which featured a union logo on it, because it was, quote, protest paraphernalia that could be used to disrupt the orders of parliament. Hmm. I think that's a that's an interesting call. We'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, but of course, you can always hit me up on the hashtag BFOzPol. I want to know what you guys think. Paul Henry asks, would a young liberal badge attract a similar response? This is in reference to the young woman asked to take off her union T-shirt. Displaying union affiliations is now a civil disorder risk. Anthony Bradshaw tweeted, the view of a union shirt to the parliament is like showing a cross to vampires. It's interesting. Sister Hillary says, but Pauline Hanson wasn't told to take off the burger, which made a total fast of our Senate. This is hypocrisy. Uh, now on Malcolm Turnbull, no place for sheep tweeted, geez. Imagine how wealthy you are if you can afford to give away a $500,000 a year salary for a job you paid $1.75 million to get in the first place. And Dan Nolan tweeted, it's cool. Turnbull thinks, oh, sorry. 
It's cool. Turnbull is into politics as a hobby. Hmm. Okay. Hit me up with your thoughts on hashtag BFOzpo. We'll be back with Crane Laundie in just a minute. Welcome back to the BuzzFeed News Bunker here in Parliament House in Canberra, where I'm joined by Workplace Minister Craig Laundy. Craig, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you very much, Alice. Now, the main question today is company tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Did the government have the numbers? Are they going to make it through the Senate this week? I don't know. I hope so. You hope so. For the okay. sake of uh, businesses, continued uh, jobs growth, mm-hmm. uh, company profitability increases, uh, more money in their pocket, spending back, reinvesting in their business, employing more people. My great hope is yes, but if I ever understand the Senate, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm, you can hold me to this, the day I understand the Senate and how it works is the day I think I should leave Parliament. Well, it is the most unpredictable of the chambers. No one ever knows what's going to happen. Often it comes down to the last minute. Yes. But the one thing I wanted to ask you is, your focus is on on workplace and and jobs figures and jobs growth. There's been some conjecture about whether these tax cuts will actually create new jobs. What what kind of evidence or proof do you have that, you know, young people especially who have the highest youth unemployment rate at the moment, will they be getting jobs out of these tax cuts? Look, the last so my portfolio is small and family business as well as workplace and in my patch in the last financial year, there's been a net increase in the number of businesses of 65,100. So in other words, there's 65,100 more small and family businesses uh, last financial year than there was the year before. Um, And what's happened in that space, those tax cuts have been flowing through. So you hear us say all the time, at the top level, 420,000 jobs created in the last 12 months. But the reality on the ground is it's the opening of those some 65,100 plus other businesses existing Mm. that are growing and employing the people. That's how you get the employment outcome. So long answer, short answer is yes. You know, the more money and, and fundamental difference the, and, and the message to young people particularly, um, because they may be working for a small and family business owner right now, the stronger we can make your boss, the safer your job is. That's the simple message here. Now, we believe that the best way to do that is to let companies that earn their profit, not ours, mm. it's their profit, keep it as much of it as we can afford and still provide the services we need. Uh, because we know that they'll reinvest in themselves, grow and employ more people. And that's how we get the results. But the reinvestment could be into resources as opposed to actual people on the ground, though. Yeah, but that reinvestment in resources is with other small and family businesses that are growing and employing people. The business doesn't exist in a vacuum. It it exists in a whole economy-wide, you know, businesses interacting every day. So if you leave resources in business operators, they're either reinvesting and spending in their business or as part of supply chains, you know, enlisting, you're right, resources from other businesses who are doing the same. Mm, Okay. Uh, Now, Labor have made a bit of a controversial captain's call. Bill Shorten has said that he would repeal what's already been legislated, which is cuts for businesses between 10 and uh, $50 million. You're talking to these businesses on the ground all the time. And do you think that this will come back to bite them? Is this... I mean, this is obviously Look, I, made I, a lot of people upset today. I, I, I think so. And, um, you know, the, the problem here, and I said this yesterday in question time, and, and Bill Shorten has never run a business in his life, never will. Mm. So, you know, I get the fact that he's ignorant and, and doesn't understand it. Um, but the problem here is, you know, I spoke yesterday about a farm machinery provider in northern New South Wales. Now, they sell two bits of gear a week on average, but that costs between four and $500,000. Uh, it's a it's a son, uh, uh, Rob and his father, running the business. They turned over $26 million last year, but on very small margins. Mm. So the turnover, analysing business by turnover is fraught with danger. Your local IGA out there, a, a supermarket, 
they're turning over you know, hundreds of thousands a week, uh, the big ones, and they're operating on margins of two and a half, three percent So the problem here is you don't live as a company, and I ran businesses before, before I came into parliament. My father taught me very early in my life, you don't live off your turnover, you live off your profit. Mm. And that's the fundamental mi miss here. Um, you know, by, by slugging that medium-sized business, which is where you see real job growth and creation, talking about one and a half to two million people between incorporated and unincorporated businesses in this section, yeah. um, that's, that's exposing, you know, near 16, 17, 18% of the workforce. Now, you say Bill Shorten's never run a company, but your family obviously runs quite a big company. Yeah. How, if these company tax cuts pass through this week... I assume they're going to. It's going to be a windfall for them, right? It's going to be good news for them. Um, well, well, it'll be good news insofar as my father will, as do what he's kept doing, reinvesting and, and growing his business, uh, my family's business, moving forward. Um, but it's 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 good for all businesses. But most importantly, Alice, it, it's better for employees because, as I say, go back to the fundamental principle here: the stronger we can make the business, that you know, every employee in Australia is working for as we speak, two outcomes. One, the safer their job will be. Mm. And secondly, the more likely that their business is to grow and they'll have more colleagues. Yeah, and but there more aren't Australians projected numbers on what you think the top, the, like how many jobs will be created out of the cuts, are there? Because uh, you just can't predict that. No, you, can can't, you? you can't predict that. But what you can point to is the fact that we've in this business sector, we're beginning reductions in tax and you're seeing the jobs figures that we've seen in the last 12 months, in fact, four and a half years. It's, you know, it's about sensible economic management. That's, and business confidence, it's now at all-time highs since the global financial crisis. Yeah. Um, and, and that's as a result of sensible economic. And, and it's not just tax cuts to businesses. It's, it's, and the principle's the same. We believe on our side that the best person, whether it's, it's you, Alice, mm. or anyone watching today, if you earn your wage, it's not mine, it's yours, I want you to keep as much as you possibly can because what will you do with it? You'll spend it back in the local economy with those small and medium-sized businesses. Mm. But business confidence may be high since the GFC, but youth unemployment is way up above. Like Pre-GFC numbers were 8%, we're up to 12%. For 15 to 8-year-olds, I think it's even up to 18%. Yeah. So, I mean, I wanted to ask you about how the government's workplace programs are going, specifically the PATH internship program. Mm -hmm. It's been running for a year. Some of the numbers, I was looking at them this week, do you think it's safe to say it's been a bit of a disaster? No, uh, and, and we're not scared to try things. So the segment you're looking at is, uh, particularly in the intern part of the program, is that 15 to 24-year-old long-term unemployed. It's, it's a tough space. Um, you know, it is, but you, you, you thought, the government projected that there would be 30,000 interns each year it's there's been a the program's been running for a year and there's been less than five thousand five hundred. You also said that twenty thousand businesses would sign up, and so far it's only been twenty six hundred. So uh, it, on the internships, I I disagree with the figure. Um, as of June, that's what that was. That's what was said in Senate estimates a, a couple of weeks as ago. As of my data is, and it's forgive, forgive me, it's actually Macaulay. It's an employment program, so it's not workplace. So yeah. it's Macaulay Cash's portfolio. But my information is as of June eighteen last figure I've seen is that around 24,000 have gone through the internship program. Right. And so, do you know how many have gotten a job out of that? Uh, I think around 6,000. Okay. Right. But, but again, it's Michaelia's space, not mine. Yeah, so. absolutely. But I mean, you do look at ways to get young people absolutely. employed and, and these programs are a way to try and get That's young people the idea. skilled up. The, the idea here is we're trying stuff. I mean, mm. yes, it's a tough space. Should, does that mean we should do nothing in the space? Absolutely not. 
Um, this is what we've decided to do, um, Michaelia and the Prime Minister. Um, we're in the process of rolling it out. Um, and we hope, you know, early, early days. And, and yes, you can make predictions and miss, but that doesn't mean that the concept's not right and you don't keep pushing hard to deliver because the space is tough, and, but it's one we, we can't afford to walk away from. But the space is tough, but where if you look at what the government are doing for businesses, tax cuts, if you're on the PATH internship program, you get $1,000 plus free labour. I think the things are stacking up in terms of what the government are offering up businesses, but what they're offering up young people there's still no movement in the unemployment rate. Well, look, there's movement in the employment rate overall. Mm. And, and I, you know, I keep going back to those figures. Um, yes, do we have in that 15 to 24-year-old um, long-term unemployed space um, a, a tough task? Yes, we do. Uh, I spoke to uh, Chenille from... Uh, she's a, now a panel beater. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was out of school for a couple of years, unemployed, uh, went through paths. She's now working with a small and family business in Russell Broadbent's electorate uh, of her experience recently. And she said, look, you know, I got suggested that I do it by a friend, a referral, if you like. And her experience was, uh, has been fantastic. She's now full-time employed with that business, mm. went through the program, um, a success story. Uh, again, I go back to the, where I started, tough space. Um, we're prepared to try stuff. Some stuff will work, some stuff won't, but it doesn't mean you walk away from the space. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as the, I know you said that it's uh, Minister Michaelia Cash's portfolio, but you do get asked in the House a bit about work for the doll. I'm interested to get your, uh, your thoughts on where you see the program going. There seems to be a rather large number of people getting injured on job sites and there are a lot of questions about safety requirements on the job sites themselves. Do you think there's a problem with the program? Um, no, and I don't know where you've got the data from because actually um, the way we've set up the system, uh, the Job Active Network are in charge of administering uh, the Work for the Dole program mm. and the statistics for us since uh, July, kicked off in July 2015, the statistics for us in terms of work, work health and safety in workplaces that uh, are in the program, uh, incidents are running at 1% of, of, uh, of claims, whereas the Australia-wide standard is 4%. So in fact, the, the workplaces in the Work for the Dole scheme are operating at four times the efficiency in terms of average workplace health and safety issues. Mm. But the complaints to the National Complaints Hotline are quite high. No. In terms of in terms of people in the program, again, I, I, they're not my stats, they're ABS stats. Yeah. Okay, that I'm relying on, that's the 4%. We're monitoring every worksite. We have 1% of work health and safety issues versus 4 mm. The numbers, we, we're operating, so I, I don't accept the premise of the question. Okay, that's all right. I'll come back to you with some examples, I think. No uh, now, Labor has introduced this week legislation to reverse the upcoming, upcoming penalty rates cut. I mean, the government obviously uh, will oppose this objection because you say, look, it was an independent decision. Do you think that the Labor Party are going down a missed path here? Uh, no, but for young viewers out there at the moment, anyone that's working at, say, McDonald's, uh, KFC, uh, Woolworths, your penalty rates have already been traded away by the shop distrib- distributed in the allied union. Mm. So, you know, small and family businesses out there and the Labor Party want to come here and say, oh, um, you know, the Liberal Party cutting, which is not true, it was the Fair Work Commission. But in their deliberations, one of the things they looked at, these small and family businesses have to compete with large uh, Australia-wide, in, in fact, multinational, some of them, mm. companies that do uh, enterprise bargaining agreements. And, and what difference does it have in the life of a uni student? 
Uh, if you're working eight hours on a Saturday and a Sunday at um, Coles, not Coles, Woolworths, McDonald's, say McDonald's, over three years of your degree, you'll be around $16,000 worse off under the workplace agreement that you're signed up to versus being on the award, and that's after the penalty rate cuts. So this is just the Labor Party, again, being hypocrites, saying one thing in Parliament whilst their union mates do a completely different thing on the front lines. And it's not peculiar just while they're in Parliament, Parliament by the way. Bill Shorten himself, in the clean event instance, traded penalty rates weekend, penalty rates away. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned university students there because yeah. we've got a bill in the Senate this week that looks likely to pass of lowering the amount that uh, graduates have to earn before they start paying back their uni fees down to $45,000 a year. Mm. I mean, that's quite a low amount to start having to pay your hex back, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also staggered, so it's a, it's a low amount of initial pay. Yeah, but we, do you think someone have... on $750 a week, $750 a week after rent, bills, food, travel has the money there to start paying their student loans back? It's, it's again, not my education, not education is not my portfolio, but the oh, opening... But you, but you often the, think the about balancing mass, budgets yeah, and yeah. how well, people deal with their that's money. That's the reason for the measure. But in terms of we need to balance the budget, so it's a, it's a savings measure that we've decided on. But again, I, I mentioned that the actual way this is structured, the impost on you at that opening level 45 grand is... Um, yeah, a, a lot lower than when you move through the salary. As you move through the salary ranges, mm. you pay more. It's a it's a progressive functionality, if you like. Um, again, I don't have the actual stat of the impost on you at yeah. the at the kickoff stage. I think it's around eight to twelve dollars a week, depending on how much your degree costs. I'll take you at your word again. Not my portfolio, so I'm not. I'm unaware of the actual number. How how is the budget going? You mentioned there that you need to still make some savings by taking money off uni students. Is the budget looking good? Look, we've got, we think, sensible economic settings. You, you've got strong business confidence. You've got strong employment growth. You've got uh, jobs being created. Businesses opening, as I said, the 65,100. Um, you know, we've got a path back to surplus a year ahead now of where we thought we'd be, or balance, I should say, not surplus. Um, we've got up to 2027, 20, 28, making substantial inroads into paying down debt, which, again, you've just mentioned the budget savings for university students. Um, the other thing that we're trying to do is pay down debt so we don't leave university students of today that will be future politicians potentially with debt that we've racked up on our watch that I've that my generation have have racked up. So it's a, it's always a balancing act, Alice. It's tough. Mm, yeah, but giving tax cuts to businesses now, Craig. I couldn't let you go without asking your opinion about the upcoming season of The Bachelor. Of course, your brother won last year's season of The Bachelorette with Sophie Monk. But they're not together anymore, are they? No, no. Ended up, uh, ended up in tears. Um, oh, is yeah. he okay? Uh, look, he's he's uh, he's bounced. Yeah, he's bounced and bounced and bounced. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, Stu. Uh, yeah, Stu is uh, is having uh, having a good time out there, and uh, uh, you know, enjoying the company of his four beautiful daughters. And uh, oh, great. yeah, so but look, in terms of uh, the honey badger, the honey badger. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I. I think it'll be he'll be a lot of fun. I mean, from I, I've obviously only ever watched him play football, uh, play rugby, mm. and seen him in his uh, media appearances slash ads. Uh, he appears mm. to have a cracking sense of humour and a very strange vernacular. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're in for a lot of fun. Uh, uh, now you know that one of Bill Shorten's former staffers 
is a contestant. Yes, I do. I did see that. And uh, maybe... Uh, well, those well, are the rumours were talking well, about, maybe? You saw, you saw how I... I'll be interested what Bill does. You saw how oh. I, I went with yes, you my comedy brother. Yes. Well, I had no choice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the challenge I had was uh, obviously when Australia saw Stu, all my colleagues down here, when they saw him on the TV, obviously they turned to me and said, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> uh, I explained very quickly that he got the looks and I got the brains. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I, I reckon there's a real opening here for Bill to have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. So um, what's your advice? What would you tell Bill Shorten to do? Uh, take the living mickey out of your former staff member. That would be my advice. All right. And, and, but don't be scared to pay yourself out at the same time. Oh, well, I think everyone, that's w- wise words for everybody. Craig Lorney, thanks so much for joining us here on Ozpol Live today. Alice, good to see you. Now, now, did he say he had the- <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help, but he said he had the brains. Ed Husick just and good mate of mine. crashing the, the show, yes? He said he had the brains. Just hang on, I'm going to blow through here. You hold your hand up. <laughs> we'll Morning, back, Ed. We'll be back with Ed in just a moment, but first... Brad, uh, BuzzFeed's reporter in Sydney, Brad Esposito, is going to walk us through a deep dive into Australian political memes. Australia's political parties, young and old, are realising the power of memes and the internet. But the public might not always know what they're looking at. I'm Brad, a reporter with BuzzFeed's Australia office, and today I'm going to make sure that you understand the difference between a meme that's been made to make you laugh and a meme that's been made to affect the way that you think. And I'm going to do it in under two minutes. You've seen them, you probably have a favourite. Chances are they're all over your Facebook feed. But a meme is more than just a funny picture, it's something else. At their core, memes can seem like silly images and and insider jokes on the internet, but people have realised the power of memes and they're using it in ways that you haven't even considered. Say you're on Facebook and you're looking at a funny picture of Malcolm Turnbull or Bill Shorten or some other white dude in politics. And the caption on the picture, the thing that turns it into a meme, absolutely dunks on whoever's on the photo. You laugh, it's funny, but how often do you think about who made that meme and what their intentions were? And who else saw it other than you? We're not talking about hundreds, we're not talking about thousands. No, thanks to humanity's backbending endeavour to spend all of our time online, the right meme can be seen by, and influence, millions. Over the last few years, various Facebook meme accounts which align themselves with Australia's different political parties have started popping up. There's innovative and agile memes, the libs. There's AOP spicy meme stash, the Labor Party. There's a bunch of Greens memes, workers' unions, parody accounts made by people to make their opposition look unfunny and lame. And then there's Clive Palmer and whatever the fuck he's doing. And they all make memes which are aligned with a certain way of thinking. Do you really think that the people behind these pages, which constantly, methodically pump out media, which is, while funny, definitely biased, do it just for fun? Think about it. Memes on social media offer politicians the opportunity to reach hundreds of thousands of people for free. They don't have to spend a shit ton of money to get a 30 second video clip at a halftime show of a football grand final. And they certainly don't need to spend all their money on core flutes and billboards that are just going to get graffiti on them anyway. Well, unless you're Clive Palmer. The fact is memes are one of the best ways in 2018 to get your message out there, while, if you're so inclined, making your opposition look bad. Memes in 2018 are just ads, and you're buying them. Welcome back to the BuzzFeed News Bunker here in Parliament House in Canberra. Twitter, I have some huge news for you. He, he famously quit and got rid of this free website 10 months ago, and he's finally agreed to make his triumphant return. Labor frontbencher Ed Husick, welcome back to Twitter. How does it feel? I feel liberated. 
<laughs> you know, everything is great. The birds are tweeting. I can taste colours. It's fantastic. Well, without Twitter, Mark Latham wouldn't have been able to call me a member of the Adams family on Sunday oh, after right. I was on Talking Pitches. Hey, you so. haven't made it until you've been <laughs> slagged off by Mark Latham, who is being quoted. This is the most insane thing. Not Mark Latham. The fact that people are quoting him positively from the coalition to build their argument on the floor of the House of Reps. Is, who, who does this Isn't anymore? he looking for a party to join? Yeah, that's right. He's just yeah, shopping around. So Hey, I hear there's an election coming up. Maybe You should you go can. on eBay. Let's see. Wait, I need to have my cup of coffee. Hang on. Let me just... Apparently this is a comedy show now. Um, now in, oh, what, uh, we've got to be serious. This politics got to be serious. Well, I was going to ask you a serious question. Can I have my piccolo while you're asking the yeah, question? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Now, your leader, Bill Shorten, announced that if elected, Labor yes. would repeal tax cuts for businesses between 10 and $50 million turnover. He did it without asking Shadow Cabinet, Shadow Party Room. What do you think? Do you agree with his decision? You can see my surprise face. Um, well, I mean, we've been talking... Look, let me put it to you this way. Um, we've been talking about the fact that, you know, there are a whole set of decisions being made by the government um, to cut people's um, support on a range of areas. They're saying they have to do this because there's a debt and deficit disaster. And then they suddenly turn around and go, oh, and by the way, we're going to hand $80 billion over to corporate Australia through tax cuts. And we're arguing this is not the time to be making those big handouts, especially when people are feeling the pinch and some of the changes that are being made. So we've had that discussion. Sure, people can go, oh, well, you know, the process wasn't followed and all, all the, um, the drama that comes with that. But ultimately, it's not really any different to what we've been saying for months now. Can we afford these cuts? Probably not. Um, you know, if the economy's strong and the budget is uh, reflecting that and you've got the space to move, then do it. Okay, all right. Well, let's move on to your uh, portfolio area. Uh, the government's internship program. I just asked uh, Craig Kelly, uh, Craig Kelly, Craig Laundy, what well, he thought. You're of... right to say Craig Kelly because he calls the shots for so many decisions of government. <laughs> okay, I asked Craig Laundy what he thought of the PATH program because the numbers tell a different story to what was projected. He said it's a success, it's going really well. Um, I imagine you don't agree. Well, I mean, Craig can say that because he doesn't have to rely on fact, does he? Like, you know, he can make that claim. And this is the problem. They announce these programs, they put billions of dollars behind them, uh, they get the media announcements, and then when they don't perform, these programs don't perform, or they're doing terrible things in terms of uh, particularly impacts on young jobless, they're not there to explain. Like, Michaelia Cash still will not turn up to the Senate and explain what she's doing to make work for the dole safer, and she won't come and explain why PATH is not meeting its targets for the number of interns that will be going through. It's not meeting the protections to prevent young people from being exploited or being um, victim of unsafe work practices. She won't explain why businesses aren't signing up to it. And I can roll off all the numbers in terms of that. And they really do owe it to young Australians to say, well, you're supposed to be helping us. It seems like you're more hindering us than giving us a, a crack at getting a job. Yeah, you've spoken to some kids who've gone through PATH and worked for the Dole, and they've got some horror stories about yeah. what happened to them, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we had... Well, in terms of uh, some of the stuff that's come out in the last few days about PATH uh, has been that there's, and we saw this through estimates, that it was inappropriate workplace behaviour, and this was a, considered a serious incident under the PATH program. Um, the department and the government say, well, the number of complaints has been low. Well, okay, but people have still had to endure some of the things that have happened to them. In Work for the Dole, one young bloke lost his life on a Toowoomba work for the Dole site uh, back in 2016. The government said it had finished its review and released the details out there so people would have 
some assurance, some confidence that, you know, if you're forcing young people to go through work for the doll, they'll do it in a safe environment. Mercalia Cash has not released the review, hidden behind legal reasons as to why she won't do it. And, and you've asked her enough. office for a copy of the review and she's declined. Well, here's the thing, um, uh, to be completely upfront. So they briefed me privately about the review and they told me the stuff privately as to what they um, uh, had done in the review. But it's not good enough to brief me privately. I'm not the one going through work for the doll. It's the people... Or the that... family of the people that have been hurt or killed. Precisely. And I think, from my perspective, they owe it uh, to the family. They owe it to other families with young people going through the program to say, okay, we had this terrible incident. This is what we've done to make things safer. In fact, if they said, as Michaela Cash has said for some time, she's talked about the fact that you know they can't release the report because there are regulators doing investigations and the like. Well, okay, but you can still turn up and say, we're waiting for the outcome of this report, but these are the things we've done right now to make this program safer. Mm. There is absolutely nothing stopping her from doing that. She should. Mm. I spoke to a, a young unemployed person this week who told me that on the job site he worked at, there was not even a first aid kit or any safety inductions. Well, this is wrong. I mean, that should be the primary, the first thing. Given the number of question marks about safety under this program, the first thing that they should be doing is making sure that all these type of steps are the first steps you go through when you go on a new work site. And um, it reinforces in my... What you've just said reinforces in my mind the concerns we've had with some of the... Even the internal audits that have been... Um, funded by the Department of Then Employment. They change their names all the time, their jobs innovation now. But they did their own, they got some consultants in that found that, you know, over 30% of the work sites didn't meet the internal expectations on safety. Now, if you've had that audit and then you have the story that you just recounted where people aren't even getting inductions when they're going, what the hell's going on? And why is the government not stepping up to say, we're gonna stop this and these are the steps we're taking to prevent these things from happening? So if Labor wins at the next election, will you scrap PATH and work for the doll? Well, we're talking now with people across the country about what we can do to get uh, work for young people in a better way than what we've got now. So, mm. so PATH, for example, um, uh, so the bottom line is, sorry, I'll not do the typical poly thing of going off talking about something else and ignoring your question. Um, I think work for the doll has, has to be massively changed, yeah. right? And so that's what we're talking with people about. Um, path, there are deep concerns about um, whether or not young jobless are being um, shielded from exploitation and unsafe work practices. So we are now um, in the process of coming up with something different to these programs, right? Um, well, for path, for example, we, we were told in set of estimates that, that they're only expected to work 25 hours a week. Yeah. But there have been examples of people working 58-hour weeks. Mm. And the government even admitted that they don't record the hours that young people work. So mm. how can they regulate their own internship program if they don't record the hours? Precisely. And um, uh, without sounding like a complete crawler to BuzzFeed, I mean, the reality is BuzzFeed did expose the fact that um, there was one person working 58 hours in one week mm. in a Melbourne cafe when the government was saying hand on heart, the maximum you work over a fortnight is 50 hours. And they're doing it in one week. And in some cases, people not even being given like the like a clear outline in writing about the conditions, and the government saying, "Don't worry, we got this." Yeah, it's all well, other people have and been then... offered gift cards instead of payment to work overtime. Exactly, and uh, and the businesses are getting a thousand dollars up front. That's right, and the possibility if they put those people on for a, a, a wage subsidy afterwards, and when we've been saying, "Well, how do you?" Yeah, you know, the government saying, "Don't worry, we got this. It's all going to be safe." And we ask them the question, well, do you know how much 
an individual intern would be working a week, they go, well, we don't track the hours worked. Mm. So how can you build confidence in someone else outside who's got concerns about the program? Um, how can you build confidence in their minds that you know what the hell's going on um, in a workplace that an intern's been dropped into and whether or not they've been treated in a fair income way? And I just don't think that the government has a handle on it at all. Of the young people that I've spoken to, their main gripe appears to be that they get put on either for path or for work for the doll. They get put on job sites to do menial labour mm. when what they really want is to be skilled up. Yeah. So is that what labour would look at doing, is yeah. to providing more skills training? And that's what we want to do. We, we know there are a stack of businesses that say we don't have talented people, we need skills. We've got a stack of young people that are looking for work and want to get those skills and there's no um, connection between the two and we've mm. got to do something to fix that. All right, now your other portfolio is digital economy. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Amazon stopping mm -hmm. shipments to Australia because of the GST crackdown. Uh, okay, so a number of things uh, first. The government had been warned for ages that some of the stuff they were planning in terms of applying the GST on goods underneath $1,000, that their game plan might not be as smooth as what they reckon mm. and that they need to um, work with a lot of the platforms to get this sorted out. They didn't. Um, I was hearing rumours that or a word from directly from um, digital platforms saying that they couldn't even meet with Scott Morrison to put their case. So when um, Amazon said this is all too hard and we're just basically going to shut down access to our international site and we'll make sure people can only use the Australian one so we can get the tax obligations met, um, you know, those were chickens coming home to roost, uh, roost on, on Scott Morrison. Uh, there's probably going to be an issue that Amazon will have to explain um, to local users that it seems like they're spitting the dummy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, some people will say, well, you know, it is right the big players play, pay their tax. But in this case, it's really consumers. Well, we're not talking about Amazon paying tax. We're talking about Australian consumers now having to pay GST on particular items. I have had a long-standing concern that Australian consumers are being ripped off for ages They've used the internet to actually find a better bargain and better service that has not been provided by local retailers for years. Yeah. And, you know, they've known Amazon's coming and they still haven't offered better websites, easier to use, um, not complicated, do what they say um, they will. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people that are using this debate to whinge about Amazon but not actually do anything to provide better, um, better service, particularly for young Australians who don't have the same incomes you know, they don't have the discretionary income. They want to be able to get the things that they're after on online um, and do it in a cheaper way. And a lot of things that don't actually exist here but exist in America. Well, and that's exactly the case. Like, there are a lot of things that are offered um, overseas that we have a whole stack of um, laws that haven't been updated or have been deliberately kept in place, um, I would say, as a protectionist measure, um, that dud consumers, and in this case, younger people who want to get something different, and they should. Mm. Well, this brings me to, I wanted to ask you about innovation. So obviously, when Malcolm Turnbull became Prime Minister, innovation was a big push. But the DTA, the Digital Transformation Agency, has just lost another CEO. Mm. Uh, his replacement is a long-time public servant. Do you think that Malcolm Turnbull's pet project of innovation and agility has failed? Oh, he... Um, well, it's failed through and it's withered through lack of attention. Like mm. he, he saw well, this because, as the... because as we found out later, innovation doesn't poll well. Yeah, well... People are afraid of the word. So let me take two things. One is it's withered because they've moved away from it. They can't explain it or build support for it 
um, in the broader public for the very reason that you touched on, that some see that tech leads to job loss. The reality is, um, you know, businesses are going to keep using technology in a way, like, you know, look what we're doing now here. Like, who would have thought we'd be doing this five years ago, even five years ago? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it means that um, it puts pressure on the way work is being done. That ain't going to change. The, you know, con- you know change is a constant, preparation isn't, is what I what often say. So if people know that, you know, if their jobs are under pressure, there'll be some support to look after them on the way through, they'll be a lot more comfortable about it. But this government doesn't do it. And worse still, I think the longer-term challenge for us as a country is it's going to require us to be much more skilled than what we are now. So we need to invest in people. And the best way to do it is through you know, education platforms, schooling, TAFE, unis. And right at the time where we know all this change is coming, the government's literally ripping billions out of all those. And I won't do the typical poly line on it, but it just seems nuts that at the point where you need to be providing more support to skill people up and you're taking that support out, you know, you just know where this is headed and some of the stuff we're talking about with job programs. Mm. You know, when you find out the reason why there are a lot of long-term unemployed people in particular age brackets is because, you know, they don't have skills. You know, they don't have the skills that are required anymore and so they lose a job and they're kept out of a job for ages. Mm. So I just think it's nuts that we've got a situation where we're not backing in or not helping people get ready for that big change. Mm, or reskilling people. Yeah, and that's and so we're not going to have that innovation discussion out of Malcolm Turnbull because he's not talking about it because he hasn't thought about how to deal with the, the issues that we've just covered now. Politically, yeah. Now, finally, uh, I have to ask you, it's what's known as killing season in Parliament at the moment. This week was the... Well, Christmas in July. ...anniversary of the first... Right, you're so serious spill. these days. We used to have great laughs. Uh, and uh, now, look. Just keep going. I just want to ask you, Ed. You're from New South Wales. You're from New South Wales, right? Thank you for noticing. Anthony Albanese, you're from New South Wales left. He made a big speech on Friday. Everyone's getting hot and bothered about it. Oof. Is what there, type of speech was this? Is there anything in it? Is, is there any kind of leadership murmurings? This is the time when it normally happens. Look, I reserve my comment for a reputable podcast known as Is It On? Well, Is It On? There you go. And, I'll ask well, you. no, I'm not doing it on. T- Twitter. I'm not doing it on Twitter. I'll be doing it. Do you hear that Twitter? Do you hear yeah. what he's saying about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm contemptuous. I'm absolutely <laughs> contemptuous. Um, uh, look, Do you I think, think it's all nonsense? I think or it's is all nonsense. Look, it? I think it's all nonsense. I think it's um, overreaction by a lot of people. And uh, obviously, in this place, you know, uh, it's fueled by you know, drama. You mm. need to have something um, to make what? politics Pe- interesting. Well, people online like to say that people in the press gallery jump at shadows. But often those shadows are correct. Really? Well, look at look at your party's history. Look at Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull. Well, it's not recent history. I mean, if you look at our side, um, I'm not going to fold my arms because people on Twitter will be going, look, he's defensive. <laughs> um, uh, I'm open. I'm an open book. Um, uh, what was the someone question Someone must be backgrounding oh, someone to create these. Jumping at shadows. Rumors. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is the, like I said, the the way that this place works. You know, people will always you know read into uh, something that's done and try and say, well, this means that and the other. There is a lot of excitement around the place. Um, I think a lot of big a uh, big deals been made out of Albo's speech. Um, you know, he can explain you know why he's made the speech in the particular way uh, that he has, but it's nothing different to what I've heard out of him elsewhere. And I think it's an important conversation to have about. You know, with some of the stuff that we do have to think about longer term, what's going to affect the country, 
you know, how we get more people involved in finding a solution or getting ready is important. And some of the stuff that he said in the speech about involving business is really important. I mean, I don't want to have a situation where um, if we are in government as Labor, we treat business the same way that the Coalition treats unions. There's um, a room, there's room for everyone in the tent. And uh, I think, you know, there's some sense in what, what Albo is saying. Um, and you I, be pissing out of the tent and pissing in. Well, I am not that uh, coarse, uh, as you know, Alice. I am, uh, you know, the reason I have a bald spot is because that halo burns so bright. So, um, but uh, these guys actually are laughing in the background quite a lot. It's putting me off. Um, but it, it, so sorry. Yeah, it's Twitter. Um, so yeah, it'll Bill be forgotten Shorten, in, in next tweet. Um, so yeah, Bill Shorten Shorten remain people... the leader of the Labor Party till the next election. Yeah. And, and you be... were saying, sorry, you were saying earlier about it's happened on your side, it's happened on their side. Yeah. You look at what's happened on our side of the fence. We've had um, like a lot of stability. You know, Bill's been there since 2013, obviously wants but to change. But that's because the, you haven't been in government. That, well, yeah, but he wants to, we could have easily had a situation like we had when Howard was in where we changed quite a number of leaders, remember? Mm. The names, Kim Beasley, Simon Crean. Kim Beasley. M- M- Mark Again. Latham. Um, you know, like we had a lot of change. Mm. Um uh, uh, by the way, uh, right now on Twitter, I'm copying a lot of expletives out of the real Mark Latham. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, the point is, we have had in times past in opposition, we've changed leaders. We haven't. This has been a pretty solid uh, show of unity from our side. And I think you'll um, see that uh, continue. Any final jokes or remarks? Is, what, we, the we... whole, my whole appearance <laughs> here has not basically had me throwing eggs at my own face? Well, I mean, you might not be back on Twitter for a really long time. So this well, I'm is not going last... to be. You're never going back. I, don't, I see. I, I do not see a situation where I come back to Twitter. Yeah, but so. how, how? And how is LinkedIn? How how is it going? You are so cruel. You are so. I know what you're doing there. Sneering like the commentariat. You know what is it? The elite. What do they call you? No, Malcolm Turnbull calls you the elites. The elites. Yeah. Have you heard From him the pronounce Kinoa elites? Corridor. Kinoa <laughs> Corridor. That's a new one. Mm. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Is that on Urban Dictionary? <laughs> Should I go and check that? Yes. Big mood. Yeah. I explained to Ed what big mood meant and now... No, you did not. I saw it on Urban Dictionary. Okay, Download okay. the app tomorrow. <laughs> Ed Husek, thank you Why so much. Why are you so much. serious thank these days? Thank you so days. much for joining us here live on Twitter, the place you hate the most in the world. No hate. No hate. <laughs> Just no like. <laughs> That's all we have time for for this week's edition of Ozpol Live here from Parliament House in Canberra. We'll be taking a break over the winter period, but of course, you can hit me up. I am on Twitter at Workman Alice. And if you missed anything from today's show and want to catch up, it will be on our BuzzFeed Ozpol page, BuzzFeed Ozpol. Uh, that's all we have time for now. Thank you so much for watching. We will catch you on the timeline.